You're listening to the Two Button Crew Podcast. My name is Scott, and today I'm joined by Glenn. We're going to be conducting an interview. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Awesome. Me too. I'm excited for this. And quick note is that I always get on co-host Simeon's case about how he pronounces his articles. Like the when it should be the, or a when it should be a. But... Today, I think it's entirely appropriate to introduce our guest as the Lucas M. Thomas. How are you doing, sir? Hey, that's me. I am the Lucas. <laughs> the does sound better than the Lucas M. Thomas. Yes, the Absolutely. Lucas M. Thomas is me. In, in my, uh, from my observation, really, it's it's like a matter of intent, how formal you want to sound and how much emphasis you want to place on it, how you should pronounce stuff like that. It's like how you pronounce the word, or how I pronounce the word either. I, I pronounce it either way. <laughs> either way like is it. fine. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Lucas is the editor-in-chief of Nintendo Forest Magazine, and he does a lot of other stuff. We're going to get into your history, Lucas, in the gaming industry in a little bit. But first, what's your history as a Nintendo fan? Yes, I am the editor-in-chief. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> See, we're going to keep this going through the whole time now. Uh, my history as a Nintendo fan, it goes back to uh, Christmas morning, 1988. I can peg that as the date because I know that's the day that uh, my brothers and I received the original Nintendo under the Christmas tree. Good old Santa Claus turned us into gamers uh, with the good old Super Mario Brothers slash Duck Hunt combination cartridge. So we were having a good time rescuing the princess and zapping some ducks out of the sky and uh, it's coming up, now that's 2018, it's coming up on the 30th anniversary of that day. I should I should do something special for this wow. Christmas. <laughs> you should, yeah. Have you been a Nintendo fan your whole life? Have you ever gone with other companies for a while, other consoles? Uh, I've pretty much been Nintendo loyal just all the way through. I, I have had other companies' hardware here and there, but... I I never skipped out on anything Nintendo to like jump ship to anybody else. If if I ever had I had like a PlayStation Two, but I bought it late in the life cycle of the PS Two, and just because I wanted to play Dragon Quest on it. I I, I can totally relate. I recently just bought a uh, a PlayStation Three used uh, just so I could play like Shadow of the Colossus and Virtua Fighter Five. Yep. Yep. <laughs> kind of dabbling in other things as a you know supplementary kind of thing. But Nintendo has your heart. That's right. Nintendo first and foremost. That's the way that it's always been. The way mm-hmm. that it'll always be, because <laughs> even, even if I wanted to play the stuff from the other guys, who has the time, really? <laughs> Seriously. Uh, yeah, I, I hear that. Okay, so what's your history in the gaming industry itself? Well, let's see. We can turn back the clock to probably my high school newspaper, where I started mm. off and uh, <laughs> they unwisely made me the editor of my high school newspaper and I just took things in an incredibly nerdy direction <laughs> and, and wanted to write about Nintendo stuff all the time. So <laughs> that that was kind of the start of that. And from there, I went up to college. I went to the University of Kentucky and started working on the campus newspaper there and had kind of a similar beat. I wrote about movies, but I tried to write about video games as often as they would allow me to do so. From that, 
I started working for a fan website called Gamer's Edge. Uh, Gamer's spelled with a Z because, you know, that's how you be cool and hip and keep up yeah. with the youngsters. Mm -hmm. And that was my inroad to actually, like, getting review copies from Nintendo and, like, legitimately being a member of the press in their eyes. And did that for a couple of years. And then... 12 years ago, almost exactly 12 years ago, in the summer of 2006, is when I started writing for IGN. And you couldn't really get any higher on the food chain than IGN 12 years ago. And, and IGN's still, still pretty much up there. Uh, but that was that was a big deal. When, when I first started writing for them, and then I got to start attending E3s and have IGN on my necklace, it's, it's a wonder... Wow how many doors that opens up. I mean, I'd be standing in a crowd of, you know, people, press journalists, you know, employees of other companies, but they saw the IGN on my name badge and they were like, right this way, sir, please cut ahead of this line. <laughs> so what you're saying is if you pay $500 to attend E3 and mock up a fake IGN lanyard, you're good to go. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that was the point of that you know, entire it, story. <laughs> it's scary. That was the exact same thing going through my mind. It's well, like, huh, I just need to take a magic marker to my... <laughs> that's just kind yes. of the phase of life we're in, Glenn. That's what comes to our mind immediately. But that's, that's a really interesting history. So you started with yeah. print, which is great. So you've come full circle. Mm -hmm. I have a question. You said you worked for a, a, a website called Gamer's Edge? Yes. So I remember, like, Edge was kind of one of those words you weren't allowed to use in the games industry for a while because of some sort of ridiculous copyright troll. Did you ever have any issues with that? No. At Gamer's Edge, I wasn't the top man on the food chain, so if, if okay. there was any trouble with it, it, it never filtered down to me. I was, I was a review monkey, and all the Nintendo stuff came to me because the editor of that site was not a big Nintendo fan. He was happily taking all the like PlayStation and Xbox stuff and he was mm -hmm. tossing the GameCube games my way and, and that was fine with me. So I was happy to be getting free GameCube products and right. write, writing up reviews about them. <laughs> your, uh, so was your office like a uh, broom closet or something? <laughs> we, oh, I'm sure it was remote, wasn't it? <laughs> we operated out of a small little office in the journalism building at the University of Kentucky. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, nice. I, I think that the company could have just said, we're not using the word edge. We're gamer zedge. <laughs> you know? <laughs> would have exactly. gotten them out of the hot water. Exactly. So, Lucas, <laughs> if I remember right from conversations with you, how much writing you do for IGN kind of depends on who's the Nintendo editor there at the time, right? And their relationship with you? Yeah. it's When I started, it was back in the... Uh, Matt Casamassina and Mark Bozon days and yep. and you know people that have been following IGN for a long time know that that was kind of a a golden age for Nintendo coverage because the two of them as a duo were just hilarious and seriously yeah they they kicked off the Nintendo voice chat podcast that are still going to this day i mean if you go way back into the the podcast archives on IGN it's it's hard to find the actual links to click on but if you go far enough back you can find a couple of episodes that i guess guest start on uh, oh, with, nice with those guys in the room and that was that was hilarious i mean those guys were i 
I flew out to California and I crashed in uh, in Boson's living room and like slept on an inflatable mattress, like <laughs> just just to get around those guys and and be there in person for a while, and and it was a cool time. It was fun. Awesome. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of turnover in the uh, <laughs> in the IGN Nintendo position because it seems like over the past decade. Uh, whoever has the job of being the the top Nintendo guy at IGN keeps keeps the job for a little while, but then they launch off and, and do something else. So Matt and Mark uh, ended up at Apple, and then, you know, there's a line of, of other people like, like Rich. Uh, he, he was there for a while, but now he works for Gollin, which is the PR company that handles Nintendo stuff. Mm-hmm. Jose and Audrey, they left and went to Nintendo proper, like... So, and as it went far enough down the line, Craig Harris was was in the middle there too. Uh, after yeah, he went to Sega, I think. Yeah. So all all of these guys, I I worked with them in some respect, but there was enough turnover year after year that when it got to the point that Jose stepped in, like Jose had never met me in person. <laughs> so right. m- the amount of writing that I did for the IGN side of things was huge back in like 06 07 08 but it just tapered off more and more uh over the years as the new head nintendo honcho there uh didn't know me as well which is fine which is fine because i it turns out i had a different project that i started working on i apologize i don't know the big names at ign all that well but uh you said mark boson in relation to uh what is his name matt boson of wayford Yes, they are brothers. So cool. th- through that connection, I got to go out to California once and have dinner uh, at a Red Robin with Matt Bozon and his family, which was pretty cool. Wow. <laughs> it's like, like, here I am just eating burgers with the creator of Shantae. <laughs> That's awesome. So it, Nintendo Force is becoming more and more well-known in the fandom, which is great. And it's almost common knowledge that your magazine stepped in to fill the void for Nintendo Power as that official Nintendo magazine shut down. My question for you is, did you ever want to start a magazine even before you felt that void that was left by Nintendo Power? Or was it an idea that you had in that moment? I had played around with the idea for a little while before we really started ramping up and actually doing it. It, I don't remember exactly when New Super Mario Brothers 2 came out on the 3DS, but it just it struck me that Nintendo I I had access to the Nintendo press site, right? So you're a game journalist, you you get a login and a password that lets you go in and download all the high resolution screenshots and and official artwork of the games that they put out. And Nintendo was putting out all of this wonderful like high resolution artwork just wonderful assets just really cool looking stuff and nobody was using it nobody was yep. using it for any purpose because you know you youtube was not up and running as much as it is now i mean this is this is like 6 years later now 6 and a half 7 years later and and youtube is in full force and going crazy but but back then even like that wasn't going as much and IGN and their coverage, games coverage was pretty much just text-based and they would throw in a, a screenshot every once in a while, but there there wasn't like, I don't know, a, Nintendo Power, while they were still active toward the end, 
used some of that artwork, but they weren't doing posters anymore. So the really high res, uh, really really good looking stuff was just going entirely to waste. I'm like, there, there's people at at Nintendo, hardworking artists, rendering out these huge high resolution, beautiful pieces of art, and I really just want to like have them in my hands. Like I, I want them to be tangible. Huh. I want them to be real. Uh, so if if you go back far enough on on old hard drives, on old computers of mine, you you can find like experimental things that I did. Like like what would it be like if if I did like a, a print publication and and was able to use some of this artwork? So there there were thoughts in my head before the fateful day came around in August 2012 when Nintendo Power announced that the power was being unplugged. Gotcha. That that's interesting that it kind of came from the idea of artwork when I think of you mostly as a writer. That's very interesting. Yeah. So, uh, on average, how much of the magazine do you write, like, by percentage? Because it seems to me that you're writing about 50 to 60% of it. It varies from issue to issue. And, for example, just a couple of months ago, I and my wife welcomed a new baby. We have three boys in our house now and things are pretty crazy and I have a really awesome writing team and I told them up front I was like guys you know new baby is coming we're trans it's already crazy with two boys in the house we're gonna have three one of whom is a newborn like I'm gonna need you guys to take over and do a lot more writing in this issue that we're working on and they are right there and they stepped up and so you'll see uh, I didn't do as much of the writing earlier this year and like like issue 33 and and it's cool it's it just goes by rhythms and you know everybody else on the nf team they've got stuff going on in their lives too i mean we've had three other babies born (laughs) neil just had a baby with his wife chris just had a baby with his wife evan just had a baby with his wife and they're all like okay we've got life stuff going on so we're gonna step back a little bit and not write as much and it's cool Yes, there are some issues that you flip through and it looks like the Lucas byline is like way too prominent and I really need to be <laughs> we, I need to be passing off more work to more people, but it's just we we cover each other's bases like in the times that I am not as available to write as much, I know that the rest of the team is, has got my back. Is NF magazine your full-time job now? Yeah. Pretty much um, <laughs> that that and being a dad. I mean, everything is is balanced uh, with taking care of the boys. Right now, my wife is a teacher, so we're recording this podcast in the middle of the summer. She is off of work for the summer months, and she's like at a park hanging out with the kiddos right now. So I could sit here and talk to you guys doing this podcast. But whenever she goes back to school and classes start up in the middle of August here. Uh, then I will have baby Cooper at home with me all day during the day. <laughs> Two days a week, I will have Calvin with me. And so NF Magazine exists as a result of the creative time that I get to work on my computer in between diaper changes <laughs> and, and cu- <laughs> cutting up hot dogs and doing all that cool, fun dad stuff. Is this a better time to be a a Nintendo fan as a father because it seems like there's more opportunities with Amiibo and Labo to get the kids in on the fun. You know, it it this has been a really good time. I have really enjoyed being able to look at and 
uh, partake in the amusements that Nintendo presents in a different way. I mean, for so many years, it, it was just me, you know. I, I'm, I'm a single guy going all the way through my 20s, and then I got married right at the end of my 20s, and we started having kids real soon after that. And so, yeah, I, I can remember being excited about games and, and going and, and playing them just as a guy on my own and, and having a <laughs> like total freedom to play whenever I want. Uh, now I don't have as much time to play games on my own, uh, but I wouldn't change it because it's awesome to have Carter and Calvin here with me playing games along with me. But Carter is my oldest. He's six and a half now. And the kid is just a dynamo <laughs> at Super really? Mario Odyssey. He's got way <laughs> more moons than I do. Uh, he's he's restarted his save file like four times. He's played what? through Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. He's on his third save file of that. Like <laughs> it's just hilarious wow. to to see this. Like when I was six, I didn't have the NES yet. <laughs> you know, it blows my mind. I I love it. You mentioned Nintendo Labo. That was really cool um, because Calvin, he's my four-year-old. He's really like construction-minded, loves building mm-hmm. things, loves putting things together and, and that kind of imaginative play. And he just loved sitting right next to me and working on all the little cardboard pieces and helping me to put together the piano and the fishing rod and all that stuff. Yeah, and yeah it's, it's great. Being a Nintendo fan and a dad at the same time is awesome, especially right now. I'm, Nintendo just announced the Nintendo Labo vehicle kit, and I was hyped about that primarily. I mean, it, it, it's interesting for me, but it's very interesting for me as a dad. Uh, I, I showed that trailer to my kids right away, and they're like, oh, oh, the car turns into a plane. Oh, oh then it hits the water. What do you think is going to happen next? Oh, it, it went under the water. It's a submarine. So yep. it, it's really cool to have little guys that are uh, as excited about these things uh, as I hope they would be. So it sounds like the kinds of games that you get excited about now has changed uh, being a father. Yeah, yeah, somewhat. Okay, I'll, I'll give you an example uh, related to games. The new Mega Man cartoon is coming out. Mm-hmm. And by and large, the new Mega Man cartoon is called Mega Man Fully Charged. It starts in like like a week from now. It, it's starting in early August uh, on Cartoon Network. And if you look at the Nintendo fandom online and you read Twitter and, and you go on Reddit and all these forums and stuff, people are just trashing this they they think that it looks terrible they're they are not excited about it and i can understand where they're coming from from the perspective of an adult Mega Man fan you know they have changed some of these characters and it's not the exact same character designs and and all that yeah but Mega Man's so flexible he's that's happened so many times exactly exactly so my lens i'm seeing it as like a new Mega Man cartoon is coming out and it it's geared toward the exact age range that my boys are in. I'm like, this is mm-hmm. awesome. Like, it, it's a new Mega Man cartoon just for them. It looks like Paw Patrol. Uh, any, anybody that has young kids knows about Paw Patrol. It's, for the past couple of years, has been like the preschool high watermark to hit. 
in cartoons and people are like dogging on this Mega Man game or Mega Man cartoon because it looks like Paw Patrol. I'm like, yes, it looks like Paw Patrol. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm excited about it. So yes, my mindset has, has definitely changed uh, because I'm a dad now. Awesome. I'm going to sneak some nerdy design questions in here because I'm a graphic designer by trade okay. and I've been dying to get to the bottom of how this magazine is put together. So first of all, are you formatting it in Adobe InDesign? I am not. I probably should be. I probably should have taught myself how to do InDesign years ago, but uh, still to this day, every single page of NF Magazine is a single Photoshop document. Really? Wow, <laughs> one, that's awesome. I mean, <laughs> one by one PSDs. I'm I'm really oh my, I go in and it's it's ridiculous. I I spend way too much time on little details that nobody else would notice or care about but me but yeah all individual oh, okay. photoshop do you, do you remember any details that no one would notice but you okay here here's a little bit of trivia uh the font that we use for all of the articles all of the body copy on all of the pages it the font does not contain uh, the lowercase e with the little mark on it uh Pokemon. Right? right. So anytime we write about Pokemon or anything else that needs that little accent mark on the E, uh, anytime you see that on any page of our magazine, it's because one by one I have individually gone to all of the E's on that page and added <laughs> that little accent mark as a separate layer. Wow. I that love sounds it. like the sort of things I do as a college freshman. Uh-huh. <laughs> Okay, well, that's great. I mean, the magazine looks very professional. Whatever you're doing to produce it, it works. Uh, it looks like it's gone through and designed, so nice nice work there. But you're not just writing it and laying it out yourself. You're also using a lot of other people's pieces. So are they submitting that to you through, like, Google Docs or just sending you an email? How do you get other people's articles? The Nintendo Force team, we all collaborate on Basecamp. I don't know if yeah. you're familiar with that. Basecamp.com, shout out to them. But yes. that just gives us like one little project area where we can all go together and decide who's going to write what. And like, okay, you're going to write the review for Sonic Mania Plus. Okay. And and I will do a page design for that. And then I will give a word count. And I will say, okay, so your target word count for this is, you know, 790 words. And, and then they... They go off and they write a review of 790 words, and then I plug it into the page and check it over for typos. And 99% of the time, the typos get caught. Sometimes they make it through, unfortunately. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then things go off to be printed. So they've got this word count guideline that you've given them. But if they go a little bit over or under, you can resize pictures to accommodate for that, right? Yeah. Um, I can redesign i can move things around i can take an axe to their words and cut out paragraphs and you know and, yeah and as an editor i have to edit so that's what i do sometimes like luckily i i very rarely have to make drastic changes i mean uh-huh. we've, we've been doing this for years now we've we've got a good rhythm going so people hit the word counts pretty spot on and yeah it works that's great so you've got all these individual PSDs, you're exporting them to PDFs and then compiling it and sending it off to get printed? Yep, yep. We work with a wonderful printing company 
They are based in Idaho, Post Falls, Idaho. Oh my goodness. Wow, you told me it was close to my address because I get the issues so fast, but that's literally the city next door. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, Scott, I'm going to have to send you over there with a a Christmas basket or something. (laughs) Absolutely, I'd be happy to. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they... uh, I got connected with them years ago, and they have just been wonderful. They have been able to do posters for us, and we've done like paper craft models and different things in a couple of issues, and they've just been able to handle all of it like a pro. I just upload all the files to them, and they print them and package them together and get them mailed out all the way around the world. Should we shout them out? What's the business name? Century Publishing. Awesome. Post Falls, Idaho. That's fantastic. Yep. Uh, do you have any fancy tricks that you've come up with, whether using Photoshop or just putting an issue together in general? Probably not. I mean, really, like I could get a, a really like hardcore professional graphic designer to come in here and stand over my shoulder and they would probably just cringe <laughs> at, <laughs> at, you know, the hoops that I'm jumping through that I don't need to be doing, but... You know, I'm an old man. Yeah. I'm set in my ways. I'm, I'm 36 and I have a beard, so I pr- I can't change anymore. I'm, <laughs> this is just who I am. But you're crafting each one with love, right? That's right. All right. Well, that that satisfies a lot of my questions that I've been wondering for five years. So thank you. Well, there you go. Next question. You're really good with alliteration. <laughs> so uh, when. When did you uh, when did you develop that habit uh, in your writing style? Uh, you know, your guess is as good as mine. It just I was writing it, another example of that came out. I'm doing a review on East Eight, East Eight Lacrimosa ah. of Donna for the next issue, and I I just wrote that out a couple of nights ago, and and I go back and read over what I have written, and I'm like, wow, I just did an alliteration of 10 R's in a row. <laughs> it's just something so it's about automatic. the way that my brain works. Who, who knows? It's I like what I write. I, I hope that other people like it, but I, I read back over what I've written, and it gives me a chuckle, so I say, well, that must be pretty good. Yeah, well, I can relate. I, I like to uh, alliterate and when I write for the blog, too. There's sometimes where I actually feel like uh, posting a, a, an apology in the comments for, you know, when I realize, ah, oh, dang, there would have been a really good alliteration there <laughs> that I didn't see at the time. My, uh, the rest of the NF team, they, they get on my case sometimes, you know, we, when, when a page proof is ready, we have like this proofreading site that I upload it to and, you know, mm-hmm. the other members of the team can go on and check what we've all written and everybody's trying to you know, scour for typos and, you know, make everything as clean as possible before it gets printed. And people will jump on articles that I've written and be like, Lucas, did you really mean to use this word three times in a row? (laughs) Like, yes, yes, that's my writing style. You should know by now. I'm leaving it. I'm not going to change it. (laughs) Is So when they're looking for mistakes, is that like a a contest to see who can see, uh, who can find the most? Well, I, I, I should incentivize it like that. Yes, I, I should. I should come up with some new way because it it always bugs me. You know, I I wrote exclusively online stuff for years, and and even now, like I can go back and I can log back in, and if there's a typo that has eluded me from some IGN piece that I wrote in 2006, I can go back right now and change it, and it'll be updated 
online and it'll be fine from here on out. Uh, but you know, this is a printed magazine. There's, there is a point where you send everything off and it is what it is. And if there is an error still on the page that nobody caught it, it is getting printed. It is getting printed thousands of times. It is getting mailed in physical form all over the world. And <laughs> every, every single time we put out an issue and I get the new issue and I'm flipping through it and I'm like, yes, this is the one. This is the one that is perfect. <laughs> this is the one that has no typos. I did everything right and I'll find one typo. I'm like, uh, yep. back to the drawing board. So when you do the uh, re-releases, does that mean that you go back and fix those typos? So like a magazine that's printed, I think you have print order, right? Yes. Would that be like uh, not have the typo as opposed to a first print run? Or the digital versions even? Is there ever a typo so bad that you would go and do that? <laughs> I think there was there was an error that happened in our sixth issue that... Tony was upset enough about that he made me do like a version 1.1 release of that issue. <laughs> I don't remember if that was if that was a typo or just like some word choice or something that he disagreed with. But anyway, gotcha. usually th- things are left as they are. Okay, so uh, back to the subject of alliteration. Uh, <laughs> how often are you using a thesaurus to find the uh, you know alliterative synonyms? I. Uh, I don't know that I use a thesaurus that much. I mean, Glenn, really, my mind is just that weird. And I know it's hard to <laughs> to wrap your head around it, but, you know, the, the brain of Lucas M. Thomas is a strange beast indeed. He is a thesaurus. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I agree. You're really good with alliteration, but another one of your strengths is you you are good with themes. So what made you decide to tie everything in each issue into a common theme. Well, we started doing that. That wasn't the intention at the very beginning. Issue number one was just like, it, it was just issue number one. We're, we're putting this out there. Here is what we're making. But it started with issue number two, which we had Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon as the cover game on that issue, which was... You know, they called it Dark Moon in North America, but in Japan it was Luigi's Mansion 2. So, mm-hmm. for, for all intents and purposes, it is Luigi's Mansion 2. And it was our issue number 2. So, we were just like, ah, let's do a, a fun feature that talks about sequels and, like, all the different number 2s. And, like, and like you. so you've, ha- you've got this hit game. What do you do to follow it up? Like, do you do a direct sequel? Do you do, you know a remastered release of the same game on a later system. And so that kind of all worked as a theme and we jumped off of that and did a couple of other things connected to that for that issue. And then we just kind of decided to roll with it. So every issue since then, we take a look at a game that is on the horizon that's coming up soon. And we pick out some kind of interesting theme that we can glean from that game and tie in the other content of the issue to it. Uh, so our most recent issue that we put out was uh, Mega Man 11 was on the cover because it's coming out in a couple of months. And so it's been a long time since Mega Man has had a new game. He's been out of the spotlight for a while. So we did a whole history of Mega Man. We just decided to make it a Mega Man issue and you know, have Mega Man here, Mega Man there. We, we interviewed 
the CEO president of NT Creates because they do a lot of Mega Man games and they were they were the ones that brought Mega Man back to life the last time uh, he had gone on hiatus for a long time. So we just try to tie everything together Mega Man-ish. It just makes it more fun. It it makes it more fun for me. I think it make it gives each issue a little bit more evergreen appeal uh, because if you go back and look at like. Nintendo Powers from, like, Nintendo Power issue from May 2010. Like, I don't remember what, what that one was. Like, sure. Uh, but, you know, I can I can look back on, on our issues and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, when when Zero Time Dilemma was, was on the cover, you know, we did a bunch of time travel stuff in that issue because that, that, there game, you go. that game was all about time travel things. And, you know, when... When Hyrule Warriors Legends came out, you know, that was such a celebration of the Zelda series and you know, that, that we did, you know, a 30th anniversary Legend of Zelda issue. And so, yeah, it's it's fun for me. I, I think it's fun for the rest of the team and hopefully it's fun for the readers. It is. And that's got to be difficult because you're not just theming all of your features a certain way, but you're also covering news and reviewing the latest games and somehow managing to tie all that into the theme as well so is that difficult and are you running out of ideas or do you have a big list you keep somewhere <laughs> you know that was that was one objection that came up from the team when we started doing this years ago was that you know if we go down this road there's going to be some point in the future where we we run out of ideas and uh, it hasn't happened yet. I don't foresee mm. it happening. This next issue that we're working on right now is kind of funny because it's everything Waluigi. We just mm-hmm. <laughs> we were gonna do a, a Pokemon issue. We've done a couple of Pokemon issues in the past, and the next Pokemon games that are coming out are Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee, and those games look kind of cool. But some people are kind of down on them, like. It's going back to Kanto again, and and it was it was hard to to really get excited about doing that one. So I was just like, you know what? Let's scrap it. Let's let's scrap the the Pokemon focus of the next issue. Let's do something totally different, but still timely. So we're doing Waluigi. Everything Waluigi. Just jumping off of the fact that he was once again given an assist trophy status in the new Smash Brothers sequel uh, instead of being a playable character, and just examining the whole fallout from that like you got waluigi fans just going absolute bonkers after e3 just why ah why wasn't waluigi playable why you know (laughs) so we're we've got a feature that looks at the entire history of waluigi he's 18 years old now so we're going year by year like at at what point did he turn the corner you know, yeah. <laughs> at, at, at what point did he stop being just a roster filler character that people kind of tolerated or or that people disliked? And like, at what point did he turn the corner and become somebody that people are actively upset about the fact that he's not a Smash character, that he's, you know, that he isn't being recognized for the wonder that he is. So we've got all kinds of Waluigi stuff and it's it's hilarious, you know, and it's fun to to find connections to to make every <laughs> to make every section of the magazine about Waluigi. Hopefully people will like it. I know there are people <laughs> out there that don't like Waluigi at all, and maybe this will be, you know, a low-ranking NF issue for them, but uh, <laughs> it, it's a lot of fun to put together. So, yeah, I like doing the themes. We're going to keep doing them. 
is Matthew Toronto, one of the Waluigi pioneers, stepping up and contributing more to this one? Yes, yes. We just uh, happen to have the man on staff who is mostly to blame. I, I, th- yeah. I think you can, you can point at Matthew and, and lay a lot of the blame at his feet for the fact that Waluigi has such a devout <laughs> fan following now. We've been doing the Meet the Four series where one person from the team gets to like do a self-biography about where they have been in the industry and what they mm-hmm. contribute to the magazine. So he is taking that position for this new issue and he's got a Waluigi comic and we're doing all kinds of Waluigis on the cover in, and on the included wall poster in a bunch of different art styles just every kind of crazy waluigi you can imagine it's gonna (laughs) be cannot (laughs) wait and for extra fun rewind this podcast episode 15 minutes uh and take a drink of orange juice every time i say the word waluigi (laughs) (laughs) so um any funny behind the scenes stories you'd like to share about working on the magazine funny behind the scenes stories there's hmm if we all work together in the same office, that that could be that could be something, but it's there's not a lot of funny goings on at the water cooler when we're all just separated yeah, by by distance. Um, the the funny thing that's just been happening recently is just so many babies being born. <laughs> <laughs> so many uh, of our team members are becoming dads for the first time and we're just like what is this what we say that there's something in the water but you know we all drink (laughs) different water and live in different cities so that can't be true but i just i joke and say we have to keep the magazine going um until all of our kids are old enough that we can pass off (laughs) we can retire and just let them take on the magazine from that point there you go any deadline scares um, I somewhat, I mean, I, I work on every issue all the way up until the end. There, there's a couple of pages that are always unfinished until right at the deadline. And that's, that's just me putting in as much time as possible. Yeah. I, I always use every bit of time available to me. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, lots of times I'll, I'll send off pages to be done and printed and I will still have more to work on. <laughs> yep. So pretty much like when I when I do the post on the Patreon and I announce like the issue is done and I, I send out the digital version of the issue to all of our subscribers that, that are, you know, on the digital tier or the combo subscription tier. Nine times out of 10, I have just finished the issue like an hour or two before that point. <laughs> you're you're <laughs> getting great. it you're getting it hot 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 off of uh, the lucas m thomas hard drive if you are a reading the digital <laughs> version <laughs> so i know that nf is mostly made up of writers but what's it like working with the comic artists that you have on the team the artists are an absolute blessing because i cannot do that like if if an article falls through if some written piece of content ever doesn't come in or you know somebody has a family emergency they they can't do this piece that they said that they were going to write they can't write it anymore i can always jump in and i can i can write it you know i i I can fill in that text if that ever happened with an artist like you don't want to see the comics that that lucas would draw (laughs) (laughs) 
I I kind of want to challenge myself to to do a comic at some point just to see if I can like stretch myself far enough to to make something that would be visually interesting enough. But no, comics are not my forte. So I I am so so thankful for the artists that we have that do comics and all of our issues. Uh, and this time, what. I'm going to say Waluigi enough, so refill your orange juice glass. Here, here comes Waluigi again. We're doing the Waluigi issue and all of the different art styles of Waluigi's on the cover and the poster this time are coming from our comic artists. And they they are all employing multiple visual styles themselves. So you're going to have several from Thor and several from uh, Matthew and, and just everybody is coming together and doing like, here's Waluigi 3D rendered and here here's Waluigi and just like pastels and uh, it blows my mind that they can just do that. That they can just be like, eh, I'm going to come up with a totally unique take on this character using nothing but a red crayon and see what that does. Like, <laughs> like I could never do that. Not a purple one? <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Maybe Lucas has to adjust that in Photoshop. Just change the hue. <laughs> probably so, probably so. So, how do you get an idea of an uh, individual issue's popularity? How do you receive feedback on those? I can tell by how many extra copies I have remaining. Of at every, every issue, I always get a bunch of extra copies sent here to the home base to send out as back issues for people that missed the cut, people that didn't subscribe in time. Uh, so there are some that have sold out as back issues and I can tell that those were the most popular. Uh, the most recent one that is sold out that isn't offered for sale on the website anymore, uh, was issue number 25 that had breath of the wild on the cover. So that's understandable. People love breath of the wild. They want the breath of the wild poster, but yeah, yeah. There there have been several, the Awada issue. Our biggest definitely our biggest issue was the Mr. Awada. Uh, wow. It's, it's been 3 years and now since he passed away. When when the news went out that uh, Satori Iwata had died, we were just finishing up issue number 16 that had Super Mario Maker on the cover and we really wanted to do something and acknowledge it. But it, that issue was like 95% done. We, we, couldn't, we couldn't at the last minute just overhaul everything. So that issue went out the, at the door as it was with an acknowledgement at the end about Mr. Awada. And then for the issue following that, number 17, we just did wall-to-wall Iwata. Whole history of his career just celebrated all of the games that he had worked on. Did, did a retro section article about some like obscure like games that you probably didn't know that he worked on, like some weird like pinball stuff from from his HAL days, and yeah, that that issue was huge. Uh, it, it's been sold out for a while from from its its back issues, uh, from the extra copies that I I should have ordered more <laughs> to be printed is what I should have done. But yeah, I'm I'm happy I'm happy that that was our most popular one because. Uh, that's the one that we we did that has had the most heart and the most meaning behind it. Yeah, that's great. And I'm glad you didn't uh, ditch the 95% done magazine and let yourselves have two months to work on the Iwata one because it came out very special. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I have a question. I think you had one issue that was 
officially called Nintendo Force, and then it became NF Magazine. There's something legal that happened that maybe you can give some background on, but I do see other outlets, even Nintendo-endorsed ones, that use the word Nintendo in their title, like Go Nintendo and Nintendo Power Couple, who's a brand ambassador on YouTube. So how does that work, and why did you guys get the uh, ban hammer? <laughs> it it wasn't anything too terrible. I mean, yeah. we, we, we put out the first issue and called it Nintendo Force, but, you know, the, the logo from the very beginning was that NF in a circle. Right. Um, and... We we got in touch with uh, Nintendo's legal team, and we were like, "Is is this cool? Are are we good? Are we legit?" And they're like, "Everything is is fine about your magazine. We're we're happy to to let you do it. Uh, we just rather like the official name of the magazine not be Nintendo Force. So hmm. so Nintendo Force officially." quote, 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 air quotes, Nintendo Force is the name of our team. Um, yeah. The name, the name of the group of people who create the magazine and then the official name for the magazine is NF Magazine. Um, and that's fine. And, you know, N- Nintendo's legal team has not contacted us in five and a half years. I mean, that that's the only stipulation they had. They just didn't want the official name of the magazine to be Nintendo Force. So. Hmm. So there wasn't like a threat of a lawsuit or a cease and desist or anything like that? No, no, it was just, it was the Nintendo legal representative that contacted us. He was very cool, just had a couple of emails back and forth with us. And I think that he himself was a fan of Nintendo Power Magazine and was happy to see Nintendo right. coverage continue in print form. So he, he, he worked with us to make sure that we were on good legal standing. And so we have been good ever since. So, uh, moving on, have you uh, checked out any of uh, the quote-unquote competing magazines? Are there any other Nintendo or gaming magazines that you read? I I take a look at everything that comes along. There have been, I mean, we've been doing NF for five and a half years now, so there have been lots of other magazines to come along since then that have kind of taken and done the same kind of model that, that we've done which is fine, which is totally cool. Uh, there has been Mega Visions, which is a Sega-focused magazine, mm-hmm. trying to do the same kind of stuff we are, but catering toward Sega fans, and that's run uh, by a team from SegaNerds.com. And we have a, we have at least one writer in common. David Oxford writes for both of us, so I'm happy to support them and they got in touch and asked for advice when they were starting up and you know I helped them as much as I could uh, get started and I think they've done several issues now switch player is another one that's over in they are based in the United Kingdom uh, and they are focused entirely on switch games and uh, it's cool for them because as I mentioned earlier we are printed and uh, packaged and all of our magazines are shipped here in the United States. So we have the best postage rates to people that live in the United States. Like it's cheapest to be an NF subscriber if you live somewhere in the U.S. Uh, But they're based over in the United Kingdom. So uh, it's cheaper for their fans uh, in the U.K. to, to get their issues. Whereas if you import, you know, if you're getting Switch Player over here in, in the United States, it'll cost you more. And so uh, I'm happy for them to have 
a local solution that's that's cheaper for them over on that side of the ocean. Yeah, I, I check out everything that, that comes along in magazine form. Um, I'm, I'm humbled by the success that we've had. Uh, I'm happy that, that other people are trying to jump in and keep video game coverage and print alive in, in other publications. Hmm. So, uh, in that same vein, uh, what do you think about Nintendo Power uh, coming back as a podcast? I think it's awesome. I I love it. I I was sweating for a second because you know then you you see the headline Nintendo Power is coming back. I was like, well, that's it for us. That's, we <laughs> we've done our job. Let's let's pack it in, team. Um, <laughs> but Nintendo Power coming back as a podcast is really the best possible thing that could have happened for us because the Nintendo Power brand, the name is back in action, um, but it's in no way competing with what we're continuing to do. Um, so yeah, I love it. I, I love that it's back. Um, I wish they did episodes a little bit more frequently. They've only been doing once mm -hmm. a, one a month, but yeah, I, I'm a fan. I continue to be a fan of Nintendo power now that it's back. Speaking of frequency, I got to ask this because I've always said my only criticism ever of NF magazine is that I want more of it. So right now you're putting out an issue every two months. Will you ever go monthly? When they invent cloning technology, <laughs> uh, and I can have more than one of me, then, then yeah. maybe. Um, okay. But it's, you know, I, I've really been thinking about it recently, and especially going into this holiday season, I've got enough ideas, and I've got enough content uh, running around in my brain that if I really pushed myself, I could probably do an extra issue this holiday season. 5% likelihood that I'll actually do that. Okay. Uh, but, <laughs> okay. But it's just it again it go it goes back to timing. We're on we're on such a good rhythm with one one every two months. Um it fits with life right now. It fits with having the boys here um and and new baby Cooper at home. Um I would have to there really would have to be another of me. <laughs> because yeah. <laughs> or or I would have to train up somebody to do so many of the things that I have just been doing on my own and really for my mental health I should be doing that anyway but you know we're five and a half years into this thing and I'm I'm still doing all right so <laughs> so I, I think we're we're good with the the pace that we're at well, it's a good problem to have, right? People wanting more and always being being excited for the next issue. Yep. All right, I'll try to I'll try to be satisfied with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, in, in a, on a similar train of thought, uh, how do you want Nintendo uh, Force to grow in the coming years? Hmm. I am. I'm always asking myself that question. Like, going all the way to monthly like we do six issues a year right now and and people would love to lots of people would love to see us go monthly but that's 12 issues a year that that's a big leap so i'm a, more reasonably i'm looking at a future where we could do seven issues a year i'm not sure where the seventh one would fit in if that would be like an extra issue around the holiday season like i'm playing around with brainstorming about right now or if that would be an extra issue like in the middle of the year around E3 time. Um, oh, okay. 
but going from six to seven is probably something that's more in the realm of likelihood for the near future. Beyond that, maybe just expanding the number of pages that are in the issues that we do put out. Like, we're pretty locked right now. 84 pages is, like, set. That's, like, we we work with the printing company. That's that's what prints best. That's what binds together best and makes the, the best physical product is 84 pages. If you go back a couple of years ago, there were issues that we did that had like 76 pages or 80 pages and if you opened them up they were kind of like crinkly and crumply in the middle it's just like just like a weird thing with the printing process like really um the way that the century publishing paper press works or something like like 84 is the magic number to put 84 sheets of paper together and it does have to be a multiple of four right counting the both covers yeah it's a it has to be a multiple of 16 it oh, is is a weird thing. Yeah. Anyway, um, sixteen plus. N- okay, multiple of six. We're getting really. And people are clicking <laughs> off the podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> Too much technical numbo jumbo garbage. Multiple of sixteen, not counting the pages that uh, comprise the cover. So eighty four is sixteen times five plus four. So I've, I've got some graphic design friends that did not click away, so it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, our I'm looking, and I'm I may very well do this for our next issue after the Waluigi one. Take a drink of your orange juice. Uh, <laughs> issue number thirty six is going to be our Super Smash Brothers Ultimate issue, yes. and I I think I'm going to give that one an ultimate page length and do a hundred pages. Oh man! Just, just add an extra sixteen in there because I really want to do this massive feature, looking back on all of the Smash characters. I want to give them all a chance to shine, so it's going to be a big, bulky feature. And but I don't want that to crowd out all the other stuff that needs to be in the issue. So pretty, pretty likely going to add sixteen pages to issue number thirty-six. Yeah, I think that was an exclusive. I haven't heard that before. Yes, exclusive to the podcast. You heard it here first. Ka-ching. How do you go about finding uh, new customers for the magazine? It has really helped us to partner with other people, um, other segments of the Nintendo fandom, people that have separate audiences. We brought Arlo. Arlo is a YouTuber. You can't miss him if you, if you search Arlo he's the only one that pops up and he is not a human face he is a blue puppet man <laughs> and he does I'm familiar he does great videos and his the videos that he does are really in tone with the kind of content that we do in our magazine and you know I contacted him to be the subject of an interview for an issue one year ago and he just had nothing but praise for the magazine just was an absolute big fan and so i invited him to come on board and have like have just one page in every issue where he just gets to do uh silly arlo stuff and and that helped to expand us and and expand our reach and he brought a lot of his existing arlo youtube fans to become subscribers of our magazine and then Limited Run Games gave us a big boost a, a couple of months ago. They gave us 
the exclusive reveal that Night Trap was coming to Nintendo Switch and they gave us a couple of exclusive trading cards. The only way that you could get those trading cards and complete your limited run trading card set was if you were a subscriber to NF Magazine and you got our issue 33 and that gave us a big boost. So um, I'm always trying always trying to, to give a boost to different YouTubers, different websites, that that was the original, you know, makeup of the Nintendo Force was, you know, back in summer 2012, you know, the end of 2012 going to the beginning of 2013 when we were first assembling the team, you know, I got on email and I reached out to, you know, Kevin from Go Nintendo, and, you know, and David from Mega Man Network and just uh, just tried to build a team of of people that were active and producing great content and building up the Nintendo fandom online as it was. So I want to continue doing that in, in every issue that we do. Um, in our Waluigi issue, uh, we've got a interview with Nintendrew. Uh, Nintendrew has found a good YouTube audience for himself over the past uh, year. He's been growing a lot. So we're going to have an interview and profile with him. Yeah. Just, just trying to, trying to give it back, just trying to uh, celebrate what everybody is doing to champion Nintendo and <laughs> raise awareness for their great games and products and characters. Yeah, and, and give them something that exists in print, you know. Uh, people that work exclusively on YouTube don't don't get to have things that they hold in their hands that they can say that they created. So it's, it's cool to interview those guys and girls and and send them the results and they can say, Hey, look at this. I'm in print. I, I really made it, mom. I, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I know that was a thing for our co-host Simeon. When you did the issue two is better than one and you graciously gave us the inside cover. Uh, yeah. He showed that to his dad and his dad was like, wait, what is this? And he didn't <laughs> understand it for a second. And then, and then he was like, huh, I guess I am proud of my son. So <laughs> Well, that's hey, pretty cool. That's yeah. cool. Yep. So you, you uh, mentioned YouTube. Are there any uh, other mediums that you would like to expand into, such as YouTube or anything really? Uh, we we took an honest stab at YouTube. You know, with the help of Two Button Crew. You know, Scott and Simeon did so much work uh, doing regular videos for us uh, for several months on end. And man, YouTube is a hard nut to crack, isn't it? Seriously. And just even even the really established uh, YouTubers, like the the people that have tons and tons of subscribers, I see every day on Twitter are like coming on and complaining about lost subscribers and the algorithm messing with their number of views and like, oh, it's it's a hard hard war zone to to wade into, and it's a it's been especially difficult for us because a printed magazine that you hold in your hands and flip through and read is about as far removed from like dynamic daily video content as you can get. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's hard to find like, like how do we like, like what kind of video content do we create that, that like makes sense in connection with a magazine. And I haven't cracked that nut quite yet. Maybe I'll find the magic formula someday. Um, but if not, it's okay. There's, there's plenty of excellent people such as yourselves who are working on filling YouTube with cool Nintendo related content that 
we don't necessarily have to wade entirely into that red ocean. Yeah, that's my thought as well. Like, I want you guys to have success everywhere you go, but you already basically have the corner on the magazine market, so why not just double down on what's working and play to your strengths, right? Yep, yep. I think I think where I'm at in regards to YouTube is like when we do YouTube stuff from now on, I want it to be in support of what we're doing in, in the magazine and the magazine yeah. will reference like like if you want to know more about this or um, stuff like I I just did as a pilot test like a month ago I I did a couple of uh, music videos not music that I created but music music from um, past Nintendo games that I think would be cool if it showed up in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate because people people talk about characters in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. They talk about stages. Uh, not a lot of discussion happens around the awesome, awesome uh, soundtrack in that game. Just pulling together music from all the different franchises and getting really high profile, big name composers, even from different companies like Sega and stuff, jumping in and like remixing. Like the most recent one they they put on. The SmashBrothers.com website is an F-Zero remix from the guy that did Daytona USA soundtrack like like 25 years ago. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> so um, I, I really want to do like a big list of videos of really cool pieces of old Nintendo soundtracks that would be cool to hear in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. And that's something that we like. I can't showcase music and sound in a printed magazine format so mm. if, if i want to reference that that has to live somewhere i have to have some place to, to point people toward so yeah in in that sense it, it's good to to have the nf magazine youtube channel and be like okay so we're talking about music here but if you really want to hear what i'm talking about please click on this you know go to your browser and type this in well we're gonna bring this labo plane in for a landing here it's been awesome. We're going to give you a chance to just say anything you'd like before we go, though. And uh, first of all, to non-subscribers of NF Magazine, what's your pitch? Well, uh, adult life is difficult. And <laughs> hear me out here. This, this is legitimate. Uh, <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard being an adult. It, it's hard going to your mailbox and you open up the mail and you just got bills and you've got jury notices and just all this. Wouldn't it be nice just once? once every couple of months to open up your mailbox and have something sitting in there that is actually exciting, something that brings a smile to your face. That's what we do. That, that We are an adult life morale booster. Uh, so yep. head over to patreon.com slash Nintendo Force. It's really cheap to get a subscription. It's $4.99 gets you the print tier, and that's every other month. So if you're, if you're putting it in your monthly budget, it's like it's less than two fifty a month. You can do it. You can afford that. I, I know you can. And yeah, you can just bring it back to the childhood feeling of actually being excited to get a piece of mail with your name on it. <laughs> I totally echo that. A lot, a lot of times I'll go and check the mail. And if it's if all I have in there is a couple of advertisements, I don't even bring it up to my apartment. I just leave it in, shut the mailbox, and check it again another day. <laughs> Nintendo Force is like the only thing that I get to look forward to, and I got the latest magazine just a couple days ago and uh, wanted to read it 
as soon as I got it, but then I remembered, no, I've got a flight coming up, so it's easy to pack, I get to take it with me, and I'm looking forward to passing some hours with that. So it's absolutely a treat to get in the mail every two months. Uh, what would you say to subscribers? Thank you. Thank you for your support. We only exist because of our subscribers. We This only makes sense uh, if people continue supporting us and continue crowdfunding us. Uh, that's how we have the money to, to print. It, it takes a lot of money uh, to print a magazine every two months and a lot more money to pay for the postage to send it to everybody. It's an expensive endeavor. And that's, that's why not a lot of people are doing this uh, because it's absolutely uh, insane. <laughs> it's, it's totally crazy. Uh, it's <laughs> uh, so thank you. Thank you for supporting my insanity. Uh, and I hope that you will keep me crazy uh, for several, several more years to come. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you, Glenn, for helping me host this interview. Does that take care of all of your burning questions? I mean, I did have one question I was wondering about. Uh, you mentioned offhandedly once a long time ago on the uh, NF Show podcast, back when that was a thing. Uh, Noah Ward and Evan Campbell, I believe, were the hosts. Mm-hmm. And you made an offhand reference to at one point you were considering writing a book on like Nintendo's censorship policies towards religion. I was kind of, and you said that you weren't planning on doing that anymore. I was kind of just curious about some of the background on that because that sounded very interesting. That is somewhat back on the table. Uh, okay. I, yeah, I, I, I hesitate to talk about it too much because it, it's really early on, um, but I might be getting back into that in the not-so-distant future. Um, but yes, the intersection of video games and religion is not something that has been explored in too great of detail, and it's always something that has interested me personally. And before, in... In the months before Nintendo Power announced that they were closing down and we started the whole NF Magazine ball rolling, uh, I explored the idea of doing a book called Zelda vs. Jesus. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and That's I, provocative. And I just, because there's there's something there. There's something that I, I want to dig into a little bit further. And I didn't completely go through with it at the time the nintendo power you know was canceled we started doing nintendo force and been doing that for five and a half years now Uh, but we're at a point now that the magazine is in such a good rhythm uh, that i think we might be able to start branching out into a, a few other projects here and there and yeah and we have nf magazine so nf books might become a thing might in the not too distant future. So that, that idea is definitely back on the table. Just, uh, looking at a, a book or even a series of books, uh, that would look at the intersection of, uh, Christianity in particular. I, I, I cannot, cannot speak to other world religions. I wouldn't presume to, um, but the intersection of Christianity and video games is very interesting to me. So we'll see, we'll see if, uh, if I find enough time in between the diaper changes and the cutting up the hot dogs. <laughs> well, I mean, if you if you find enough time to, to write it, I'll make time to read it. 
Well, I appreciate that, Glenn. I'll, I'll put you on the list for copy number one. <laughs> That's a good question, Glenn. That was a juicy tidbit there. So there's a lot to look forward to. We've got the Waluigi issue, Super Smash Bros. issue, and uh, Nintendo Force books the month after that. Right, Lucas? <laughs> if you want to come babysit for a while, Scott, and, sure. and, and give me some extra work time, then yeah, yeah, I'll make it happen. <laughs> Uh, well, thanks again, Glenn. It's been awesome having you help me hurl these questions at Lucas. Sure thing. And uh, we really appreciate your time, Lucas. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yes, I, this has been Lucas M. Thomas, the editor-in-chief <laughs> of NF Magazine. That's right. Round of applause. <laughs> and to close out the podcast, we usually plug our own stuff, but uh, this month... Just go to patreon.com slash Nintendo Force. Get yourself a subscription. If you don't like it, cancel it the next month, but I'm sure you'll keep it. <laughs> yeah, and that's the advantage no, of uh, no. Patreon. <laughs> that's the advantage of Patreon is that you can, uh, you know, you're, you're not committed to like 12, 12 months. Right. See, see, Scott, now now people are going to sign up, and the first issue they're going to get is the Waluigi issue, and they're going to think <laughs> they're going to think that it's indicative of everything we ever do, and they're going to be like, "Well, this is trash." Yeah, you're you're right. Come come the next issue, that would be kind of a letdown. Give it a couple like, of what? months. What? No Waluigi. <laughs> the Smash Brothers issue is going to have a really awesome like five foot long poster, so so stick around for that one at least. That's another yeah. extra tidbit for you at the end. Stick around for four months at least, but. <laughs> Waluigi is having a great resurgence right now, so ride that wave. That's right, that's right. All right, thank you everybody for listening to the Two Button Crew podcast. We'll be back next month. You can find us on YouTube in the meantime. See you guys next time. 